as they struggled to catch up. Two of their cars swerved across the traffic to a blast of horns and plunged in after it. They were just in time to see the limousine stop, and Zelyan cursed, get out. Carfor, where are you? The voice was suddenly urgent. Where is the target? A pause, then, he's entering the British Museum. It was true. Kurst had passed through the gates and was crossing the open area in front of the famous building that rose up ahead of him, its huge pillars stretching from one side to the other. He was carrying an ebony walking stick that measured out his progress, rapping against the concrete. The MI6 men were already piling out of their own cars, but they were too late. Even as they watched from the other side of the gates, Kurst disappeared into the building, and they knew that if they didn't act swiftly— they would lose him for good. There was more than one way out. It was unlikely that the Scorpia man would have travelled all the way to England just to look at an exhibit. He might have gone inside deliberately to lose them. He's inside the museum. Cars one, two, and three surround the building. Watch all possible exits. We need immediate backup. Someone had taken charge, but whoever it was, his voice sounded high-pitched and uncertain. It was eleven o'clock on a bright February morning. The museum would be crowded with tourists and schoolchildren. If there was going to be any action, if they were going to arrest Zelyan Kurst, this was the last place they would have wanted to do it. In fact, Kurst was still unaware of his pursuers as he crossed the great court, a gleaming white space with a spectacular glass roof sweeping in a huge curve overhead. He skirted around the gift shops and information booths, making for the first galleries. As he went, he noticed a Japanese couple, tiny and almost identical, taking photographs of each other against a twisting staircase. A bearded student with a backpack stood next to the postcards, pulling them out one at a time and studying them as if trying to find hidden codes. Tap, tap, tap. The end of the walking stick beat out its rhythm as he continued on his way. He knew exactly where he was going, and would arrive at the exact minute that had been agreed upon. Zelyan Kurst was a large man with heavy, broad shoulders that formed a straight line on either side of an unnaturally thick neck. He was bald by choice. His head had been shaved, and there was a dark grey shadow beneath the skin. His eyes, a muddy brown, showed little intelligence, and he had the thick lips and small, squashed nose of a wrestler or perhaps a bouncer at a shady nightclub. Many people had underestimated him, and occasionally Kurst had found it necessary to correct them. This usually involved killing them. He walked past the statue of a naked, crouching goddess, an elderly woman with a deerstalker hat sitting on a stool with brushes and oil paints was making a bad copy of it on a large white canvas. Ahead of Kurst were two stone animals, strangely shaped lions, and to one side an entire temple, more than two thousand years old, brought from southwest Turkey and reconstructed piece by piece. He barely glanced at them. He didn't like museums, although his house was furnished with rare objects that had been stolen from several of them. But that was the point. Why should something that might be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars be left to moulder in a dark room, stared at by idiot members of the general public who had little or no idea of its true value? Kurst had a simple rule of life. To enjoy something fully, you had to own it, and if you couldn't buy it, then you would have to steal it.
Ahead of him, two modern glass doors led into a final gallery. He watched as a tall, well-built black man, carrying a notebook and pen, walked through, then went in himself. The gallery was huge, stretching out in both directions like an airport runway. Although there were more than a hundred people there, it wasn't even half full. Everything was grey, the walls, the floor, the very air, but spotlight shining down from the ceiling ten times higher than the visitors who stood beneath it picked out the treasures that the room contained, and these shone soft and gold. They ran along both walls from one end to the other, a series of marble tablets with a crowd of figures that had been brought together to form a single line. They were men and women, ancient Greeks, some sitting, some standing, some talking, some riding on horseback. Some carried musical instruments, others bundles of linen or plates and glasses for a fire.